Hello everyone, welcome back to Monday Movie Madness. I'm of course your host, Odrin Johnson, joined as well as always by Chris Clawson. This week, I suppose at the beginning of our, I mean, I've dubbed it Spooktober. I don't think <laughs> Chris really had a say in it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but we're actually going to be taking a look at The Thing. So obviously this film is directed obviously by John Carpenter, who a lot of people know because of this project. And he's probably gone down in history as probably one of the greatest, greatest horror directors yeah. out there. He's also really good, um, a lesser thing he's known for, but like by no means, I mean that like in comparison to directing, he's also a really good composer. Mm, um, absolutely. Which he's actually fantastic at, but the fact that he made such good movies as a director kind of <laughs> saying it's a lesser thing is actually like an insult in some cases because he's probably just as good as not even better than most composers absolutely um, i mean if if even recently if you the best part of those new halloween films is his work with his son and uh, another composer on the score the scores in those films are better than those films deserve yeah 100 percent. and those are films we're gonna to have to look at at some stage because there's such a like tumultuous history uh with Absolutely. those that entire franchise um but let's let's i suppose start off first with the thing before we even start thinking about that um <laughs> this film now i'm interested to know because obviously it, it's an old one for us in terms because it's 1982 and neither of us were alive when this came out um when did you first see it? What was the whole shenanigan? Um, I think I saw it. I remember seeing a trailer for it on YouTube and I was in this period where I was looking at like really freaky horror films from the 80s because some of the scariest horror films I feel like are from that period because they're, you know, everything's practical effects and everything's usually pretty gross. Um, so that period, like I was a big, I was big into that. And then I remember my dad mentioning it and I remember basically seeing it um, recorded on like a skybox or something and just like, having the worst night's sleep ever afterwards because this film, spoiler alert, is really scary, <laughs> to me at least. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my introduction to it. There's just the horrific like imagery in this movie um, just haunting me afterwards. And I think when I was a kid, I actually skipped the uh, the first uh, time we see the thing because it's just, it's, it's awful. <laughs> so that's yeah. my history with it, yeah. Being terrified of it and now just kind of really appreciating it um, for what it is, which yeah. is a classic in horror yeah i think when i watch this film i'm not necessarily scared by it i just i really like it's something that engrosses me a lot more like i can get the horror aspects of it and it's more like i think the horror in it now to me is more so the themes and all that and like what mm. the existential horror is as opposed to the actual creature um but the the film itself i couldn't help but like when i rewatched it recently uh for this podcast i couldn't help but uh, keep thinking about how similar like just with a couple of alterations this film is to something like predator um mm -hmm. because it's like alien ship in this case it, it crashes in the thing obviously the predator goes hunting just on it of its own accord in that film but you've got sort of your set of characters who don't have like first um or la well they don't have like names they just have kind of like you know their one name so like we have mccready and we have giles and everything in that yeah and you've got like dutch and the other one uh but like it's 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 like each of them get picked off one by one and then at the end there's like this one fight between the main protagonist and that's how it ends now the endings are slightly different but it's kind of like it's kind of like <laughs> let's take the predator concept stick it in antarctica and instead of soldiers we have scientists mm -hmm. um and i absolutely adore that idea because it kind of whilst sort of predator takes on this sort of thing of the the, the action movie trope at the beginning with all these like overly muscular and muscular like steroid induced yeah, looking yeah. men like shooting up like whatever village they're at or whatever um and then kind of flipping that on its head these kind of take you know they, they have a more believable outlook because none of the characters in this film i think are like stupid in the sense they're not like meathead no soldiers. this has probably has some of the best horror character writing like of all time really yeah because um, it plays it i think it, generally this film plays on sort of like this paranoia of not knowing who you can trust mm -hmm. yeah and since these characters are obviously so smart i mean even dr blair to a certain extent is like he he foresees what's going to happen and i don't know how much of that is when he is the actual the thing or not yeah um, absolutely it, it's really 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 good um 
Yes, yeah. As this is going to be, I think, just a bit of a love fest for this film, um, which probably not the first one to come across that. <laughs> I mean, this is like <laughs> a universally beloved f- film at this point, which before we get into it, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you know this, but this film was like panned when it came out. It was a box office bust, and uh, some of the most famous film critics, uh, Ebert, said it was like a, I can't remember the quote, but basically said it was like a soulless, you know, poorly acted, poorly written <laughs> You know, all these things that I just, I don't know how you, anyone could come to that conclusion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very odd. This film has only become the, like, you know, considered the masterpiece that it kind of is in in like the last 20, 30 years or so. For a long time, it was panned and it was, I think it really hurt John Carpenter as well because it was, this is, I think to him, his like magnum opus of far, as far as I remember. It's one of his like most prized movies that he, when he made at the time, he was like certain everyone was going to get it and then it just didn't land. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it, yeah, it, it kind of speaks to the time as well, because there's a good few movies that are now, like, looked back on he- very fondly and even loved by people who didn't grow up with it. Like, mainly I'm thinking of cult classics like The Breakfast Club, which wasn't exactly a, a smash hit when it came out, but over mm-hmm. time it grew this following, and the same goes for The Thing. Um, I think even to a, a certain extent as well, like, you can find many, uh, many a horror film that didn't really land at the time, but people yeah. kind of look back on it now and think, well, that's great um but yeah the the thing in general i mean going back to it was so weird because it reminds me so much of like when i watch like older films like particularly i say older films i think mainly 80s 90s where i think of stuff like ghostbusters the uh-huh. thing, obviously the thing predator alien and i just remember how good the music in these films are mm. um because they really add so much because they're not like background pieces in some cases and they're not i don't mean generic in the sense that movie music now is bad that's certainly not the case but you know we have sort of the cliched sort of like Hans Zimmer style score for a lot of films now yeah and by all accounts that's good but it leads to a lot of replication and this time I think had like yes for sure there's definitely like replications of scores and styles but it's like when the music is in the film you know it's there because it makes itself known it has a good presence it's not sort of in the background for a lot of these scenes um Ghostbusters does that particularly well and I think it was something that even the newer Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, still brought into its formula because the music was so iconic that it even it felt out of place for the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, everything about this film is so good. And I mean, we're going to dive into a lot of what we like about it, but I just wanted to quickly touch on the music and, of course, then alongside that, the visuals. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's so fantastic, yeah. This is, yeah, this, I can see this. If, if you, you know... This is probably like what this is like the quintessential when people talk about body horror in movies. This is what mm-hmm. they're talking about. This is like some of the most like horrific, disturbing, amazing at the same time. But like you don't, you don't. I wouldn't even want to be in the room filming this. Even if I was filming this, knowing it's not real, I wouldn't want to touch it. I'd be like, no, because yeah. this this stuff is is awful. Like the um, I think the highlight. I think most people agree is the and I forget his name, but the defibrillator thing. Is probably like the highlight of the movie. Oh, with Doctor Cooper, it, yeah. It it just looks insane. I remember hearing a bit of trivia that they even got uh, an amputee actor to play Doctor Cooper for literally like one shot, just so the shot would look right. You know, so he's not instead of having his arms tucked in, he's literally you know the actor didn't have any, any arms at the at the elbow, so they were able to just put a prosthetic over it, and it looks so much more convincing than other films where they literally just like fold their sleeves up. Yeah. Um, but even for just simple things like that, the the amount and the and these effects, almost like almost all of them, still look real today. Like hmm. they're still unparalleled. Like there's very few films that can like match this level. Yeah, I think particularly the two shots that I, I mean, even when I was rewatching, like still made me feel icky in a way. Was like when they find the first uh, body in the oh yeah camp and bring it That's back. Insane. And they like, they want, um, I can't remember who it is particularly. I think it's Vance Norris. I think they want to, they want to, to do a, a, a biopsy on, or one of the doctors to do a biopsy on and yeah, figure they... out what's inside. And I was literally thinking to myself like, that is disgusting. You would never like, imagine, like I could feel the sort of like being in the, if I was in the room, like, and I was asked to do that, I'd be like, why me? Like out of all people. Um, yeah. Cause it was almost like a collective sigh of relief that it wouldn't have to be you to do it. Uh, and that is all down to the amazing visuals in this film um yeah absolutely um i was thinking should we just jump a little bit into the events of the film and then we can sort of just highlight yeah the great sure. we definitely tangented a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's what you have happens when you're talking about like you know an all-time like 
a flawless, pretty much flawless movie. I mean, even if, even if, like the end, my end thing will always be, even if this film doesn't click for you, I think it's it's just an objectively good movie. Like it's like it's an important film. You know, it's even if it doesn't work for you, it's just you have you can't deny like the art and the talent on display in this film. Yeah. Um, I think we should obviously start with first scene, which initially really confused me because obviously we find out later that it's these Norwegians who are chasing down a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. This helicopter is coming into land or whatever. But then they start shooting at the dog. And I was like, wait, why are they shooting at this dog? Is this like some weird like sport for them or something? Yeah. Because I wasn't aware, at least when I first watched this at the beginning, that these weren't the main characters. I just thought they were like going to be coming into the scene and we get to know these characters a bit more. But that's not the yeah. case. Um, and so this dog catches up to, is it Sector 4 is the name of the camp? Um, I just know it's the the American base. To be honest, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's how I've always well, seen it because I've seen the you know the other movie. It's like the Norwegians in the other movie, and then this the Americans. So it's like that's how I've always seen it. Yeah. So, anyways, the dog gets to the base where our actual main cast is at, which is the American yeah. cast. Um, and this helicopter is still chasing the dog. It even throws the termite down at one stage to try and blow yeah, it yeah. up. <laughs> um, and then they land and. Quite comically, actually, the, the guy somehow manages to let a thermite... Because I don't know why he was just going to, like, <laughs> mill this thermite at these guys. <laughs> yeah, it slips out of his hand or something. Um, yeah, it's a bit odd. Yeah, and blows up the helicopter. Um, This other guy, then, who has a gun on him, tries running through because he, in fairness, knows that this dog is, well, for lack of a better word, the thing. Yeah. Um, and the other characters have no idea what's going on. And then he obviously gets shot. And then that kind mm-hmm. of opens up our film for us with this kind yeah, of yeah, weird absolutely. question as to what was going on. And in me and, and on, I'm rewatching it. It's just like, you, it's so funny how your mind changes when you rewatch it. And you're just like, come on, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> like you've, if you don't shoot it, we're all dead. <laughs> like, like, um, yeah, it's very, it's interesting. But yeah, as you say, like, it's a little bit of, it's a fun little bit of, I don't want to say action, but there is a little bit of gunfire exchange. It's kind of neat. Like, um, we get to see that, like, you kind of immediately get, it's interesting how, like, how quickly as well that the, um, they're not really, like, that shocked that one one of them's had to kill someone and two, like, that it even happened. Like, they mm. kind of rationalize it very quickly. So it kind of speaks to, like, what kind of work they're doing out there um because one of them you know they just put it down to cabin fever in the end and say that they just went crazy in a short amount of time and they're not even like that shocked <laughs> even though one of them just had to kill someone and the other and the other one like there's two dead guys at this point it's kind of crazy um yeah. so i just feel like that like kind of like tells you a bit about the isolation and what that does to you um and yeah like almost immediately after like you say there's this mystery but immediately they let this dog in and just this dog is like for one, whoever trained this dog is is excellent because this dog make I I love dogs and this dog makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> in every scene because this dog moves so purposefully. Um, it moves like very slowly. It creeps around. It looks around. You get the vibe immediately. Something's not right with this dog because no dog is paying this much attention to like everything going on. Yeah. Like um, it's very like you know it comes across like far more intelligent than any dog should be. Um. And obviously, that as they, as that's kind of happening, we're learning about you know the characters at the base. Um, like I think it's like there's like ten of them all together, something like that. Ten guys or more, maybe. Right. Um, yeah. But we're kind of getting like a bit of a. They're all kind of like not archetypal, but they're all kind of like they've all got their different kind of roles within the group. Um, and you kind of get the vibe straight away that McCready is kind of like the <laughs> the leader type, or at least it, he has the potential for that, as he's not at this point because he's the p- pilot and everyone likes him because. You want to be friends with a pilot in a place like that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, actually, it, it, it's really good because um, the film isn't that long. It's about no, no. 40 minutes, but it really does a good job. At, like, because the beginning of it, in fairness, is quite slow, but that plays to its mm. benefit, I think, because uh, it's, it's leading up and we're getting answers to questions, but we're actually deaf with more questions than afterwards as to mm-hmm. well, what is actually going on. Um, and then the ending, well, I mean, the final, I mean, midway through and then from then on, it's literally full guns blazing. For the rest yeah of the for film. sure um which is really good and i think it's a good it's like a very stark contrast as to when it kind of leads the viewer in gives them all the information they need and then kind of says okay now that we know this let's get into this action yeah yeah um, it sets and, kind of sets yeah. the rules of the of the the monster it kind of gives you the rules and the ideas like and 
and then it kind of once you kind of know the rules you you just kind of follow the characters and just hope that they make the best decisions possible really um because like yeah by the halfway point you kind of know everything you need to know about these creatures and how how they work and basically how screwed everyone is because let's be honest these got the these the creature in this film i think has got to be one of the most tough and like and to me frightening alien creatures like i would take a xenomorph any day over or a predator any day over this thing well i don't know if i go that far now oh i don't know yeah i because i mean when you just think of like because the the film gives you enough ideas that it never actually shows in the movie that make this thing so dangerous like they there's a scene later on where they talk about how only a single molecule could take you over so it's like if you just think on that for a minute the scene where blair is performing an autopsy he literally could be assimilated there and then because the thing he's performing an autopsy on isn't actually dead. Oh my god. Yeah. So like that like whereas an xenomorph, acid blood, but just get a big gun, kill it, and make sure it's not next to you <laughs> when you do, <laughs> and you'll be alright. But whereas this thing, it plays dead and then it grabs you later on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's just this creature's always like played on my mind the scenarios in which like there's not really a scenario i could think where you win against this thing yeah um, i think the one thing I, I really like about this film is like obviously we talk about like they're kind of making choices and decisions as they go through as to how to adapt to fight this creature mm. um and it's done really well to the sense where it's like you don't feel like they're jumping ahead a few steps you don't feel like they're behind no. a few steps like they feel like they're making the right call each time yeah, they're they're kind of the 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 logical like jumps they make are very rational. Like you know, going back towards the beginning, after they kind of have this incident with the after the the Norwegians turn up and they have this this firefight, they go and check on the rest of them because they you know they want to know if if these guys have essentially killed everyone at the base and see if they need help. And when yeah. they arrive, they're immediately sort of greeted with the smoldering wreckage of the of the base. It's been lit on fire and burnt down to the ground essentially. Uh, and as they're going along, it's just clue after clue of what happened here. You know, we see like a bloody axe on the wall where something's obviously been struck or we see one of them's killed themselves rather than whatever was there happened to them. They've they've just killed themselves instead. Yeah. Um, Can I just say on that bit as well, like the, the, the practical effects in the part with the frozen blood is still so creepy, but so yeah. amazing at the same time. It's like these long strands. It's just like it's it's icky. It's a very gross film. Like overall, yeah. and of course you come to the bit that you mentioned earlier—the smoldering body, which just looks like I, it looks real. Like it's yeah. like like it's just this horrifically, con- and they don't fully show it at first, and they give you just enough to know that that isn't a human body. There's some kind of like spidery legs around it, and some kind of like things other than human there. And mm. there's these mel- melded like body parts, and it's just like it's just it's like so freaky. And it's like, uh, and and again, it's like when you watch it on rewatch, you're like, don't, t- you're just thinking to yourself, don't bloody touch that, <laughs> you know, just leave it, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's like, and obviously after this, they kind of they take it back uh, essentially, which again, like, know it in hindsight, we would say is a dumb decision, but given what they know in the film, it's a very logical decision that they take this thing back. Um, yeah, they obviously want to know what happened to the people there, and they don't know what they're actually looking at. Um, you, I think there's a moment where they see the block. Do they see the block of ice here as well? That's kind of thawed halfway, and something's obviously come out of it. Yes, they do. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously that's another clue we get to the origins of this thing. And it's like, and while this is all going on, we get again. This dog is so creepy. <laughs> the dog watches them leave through the window. You see, and you see it's kind of like it's it's going around the base, and there's this very unnerving scene where it's we're like a POV shot, and we're seeing. It's giving you an idea of the space, but it's also showing you something is moving around the base. And then you it's revealed that it's the dog. And it just it sees you see it going to go into one room, but then it sees a room is open with someone inside, and there's just this shadow on the wall of someone being surprised by it, and it just cuts to black. And it's yeah. just like the dog is so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna say as well, we're talking about the cabin. Obviously they end up taking quite a few like they take some documents even though they're in Norwegian yeah it might be important and they also take videotapes which mm. I want to know we see later on uh, and would you be surprised to know that John Carpenter is actually present in one of those tapes as one of the oh, I didn't videos. know that actually <laughs> um it's it's uncredited in the film but it's on the IMDB page which I think is kind of it's neat and I like what directors kind of put themselves into like a very unsuspecting role that no one mm. would ever notice them in um that was just a little tidbit I want to drop in um but yeah, you're dead right with the dog stuff. The dog thing always creeps me out because 
like I, I feel like I actually feel much worse for the dogs in that cage when it goes in than I do for the people. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, probably... absolutely. The bit, the scene with the dogs is traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's cool. It's interesting because, and it makes you wonder about like what this would look like in a, a more world, you know, if they ever did it, if there was ever a movie that showed kind of it in a civilized population, but the dogs recognize that it's, that something's wrong with it, like better than the humans do. Because yeah. as soon as this creature goes into the kennel before it reveals itself, it's what always creeps me out is it sits in the middle. So obviously we jump ahead a bit, but essentially after that, after they arrive back, they put the dog away because it's it's still making its way around the base and they put the dog away in the kennel and it just eerily sits in the middle of the room and then the lights go out and it just sits there for a minute. But then all these dogs start growling at it and it's like, oh, they know something's wrong. And like, I don't think the first time you watch it, I don't think you're expecting quite the level of like horrific, disturbing, like violence that you're about to see um, yeah. just because of the age of the film. And like, you know, you're thinking, Oh, it's a dog in a movie, you know, <laughs> there's this like an unspoken rule that you don't do anything too messed up to dogs. Um, <laughs> but not in this film <laughs> because it's face out of nowhere, just splits open like a flower and all these fleshy tendrils come out and all the dogs start freaking out. And it's just like, it makes this horrible noise as well. It's, I can't describe it. It's, it makes me. It, I, it sounds like to me. It's like if a spider was huge, what it would sound like in my head. Hmm. I think um, alongside that as well, it actually, it actually gives us a lot of clues later on as well. Because obviously, hmm. you mentioned the dogs are able to kind of sense when something isn't right, um, and it's it it says a lot then that obviously Doctor Blair, who we kind of learned later on as the host of the thing, and uh, or at least he's one of the hosts of the thing, hmm. um, and. You know, he's, you know, you could be forgiven to thinking, you know, obviously he, he breaks the helicopter, he gets rid of the communications because maybe he sees the inevitable threat that is that none of them are getting out of there. So he yeah. wants to try and stop that. But I think the act of him killing the dogs is a sure sign that he knows that they would rat him out. I didn't even think of that. See, in my head, that was a practical choice to stop more vessels for the creature because mm. so, they were exposed to it. They were in the room with it. And like, that's enough in my eyes to kill them. But see, that's how I think it could have been. That's, yeah and also yeah and that's and also when you think about it they say later on the film jumping ahead a bit but when he's built his ship underground they say he's using parts from the helicopter and obviously how would he get the parts after he's already you know yeah but then but then we also don't know how it's that's what this film does so well is it it doesn't give you an it gives you enough information to theorize but you never know the full events of the movie like people have theorized for years the events and timeline of the movie is just skewed enough for you to for there to be gaps where people could have done certain things and you'll never actually know what they were doing like well, you yeah. don't know how you never know how long someone was the thing people still don't know who the character is who becomes the thing when the dog goes in the room at night because it's all silhouetted and there's multiple characters with that hairstyle like the film just plants all these little seeds and you just don't know and that's why it's scary um and that's why it's so good um but yeah like like you say there's plenty of cover there, you know, the, his crazy thing could all be an act. Um, very interesting to think about. Yeah. Which I actually think he is infected from the get go. At least I when think, he goes crazy. And I think that's all part of an act. So I think if I was to go with that theory, I'd definitely say he was infected during the autopsy then, because the one scene where he's checking how, how the organism works He's by himself, so there's no real reason for that other than to trick the audience. And I just don't think John Carpenter's that kind of like writer where he would do like an obvious "this is for the audience" scene. Hmm. So I think perhaps you're, I think you're right, and I think perhaps he got like you know, as they say, only one cell would take. Is 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 highly possible he got infected during the autopsy, and it took like a time for it to fully assimilate him. Yeah, um, but I mean, there's so much stuff you could theorize about in this film. Mm. That's what makes it so endlessly rewatchable. And yeah, absolutely. Even the ending is still highly debated, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah. are they infected at that stage? Well, I don't know. Um, but it's it's really well done, and it's actually, I mean, we talk about the ending. We'll get to it a bit later, um, in more detail. But if we continue on, then obviously after the whole dog incident, yeah, there's, it it was kind of like, it's strange because when they see like this like deformed human body, they're not really convinced. It's until they see the actual dog that all of them are kind of on board with it being a like with it being an actual yeah, I threat. suppose yeah because i suppose they don't know like what caused it initially so they don't know if it's an ongoing threat or not um but yeah like you say obviously we get the autopsy scene where he kind of explains how this creature works um that it was obviously imitating because he doesn't he pull out essentially a half like 
half formed dog essentially, and it's this horrific mound of teeth and eyes. Yeah, it's just the, honestly, this scene is just this movie is just gross <laughs> in the best way, but it is gross. Um, so just be prepared for that. Uh, if you haven't got the strongest stomach, this might bother you a little bit. Um, but yeah, like, and after that, again, it's like there's like a lot of there's enough time between each thing seen that you're kind of like you're left to get back into this paranoia state and. You, you after that first incident you just don't feel safe after that it's like okay right well i know how this thing works and now i know that everyone is at risk um yeah especially after the movie spells it out for you by saying there's a 75 percent chance that one or more of these people here is already the thing and there's also in twenty seven thousand hours after it reaches population the entire world will be the thing hmm. so it's like yeah. oh okay <laughs> It's yeah, it's absolutely insane. But I, I love that at least after we get the first, um, obviously initial encounter with, uh, the dog in that sense, and then everything after that, everyone is skeptical of everyone in the room. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what makes this film, I think, as good as it is because the viewer doesn't know who it is, the characters don't know who it is. You're learning as the characters learn it. Because I think, well, I yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say you, you're you're kind of you're viewed as at least the main character of this film is McCready. Um, yeah, absolutely. That is who you're going through. So you learn as he learns. And I think that makes it an endlessly more enjoyable film, because if you knew what was going to happen, if there was like a scene where we see that Blair is the thing or whatever, or at least has tendencies of the thing, we would kind of be a bit more like, oh, this is kind of like, sure, it'd still be entertaining, but there wouldn't be any stakes, I don't think. Yeah. And that's what that's what makes the creatures in it so scary is that they don't have any kind of tell. I actually think the only time they had a tell was when they were a dog because they didn't know how to behave as a dog. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they don't know what's expected and that's probably what gave it away to the other dogs. But yeah, when they're human, they act exactly like the characters have acted before they turned into the thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't know enough about them to know what would be completely out of character. I mean, it even imitates them down to their, you know, their health defects. I mean, with uh, Norris later on having a heart attack, you know, yeah, um despite being the thing because the thing doesn't like improve their bodies it just literally mimics them exactly as they were before they were the thing unless it needs to come out as this monster the monster is like a is a defense essentially a defense mechanism well i didn't i didn't at least in my viewing i didn't assume that as him having a heart attack i thought that was like the thing kind of building up up, do you think do you think uh yeah i took it more as I took it more as it, it it imitated him so perfectly that it even imitates the defects. And when it had a heart attack, it kind of realized that the host body was like screwed, basically. Um, like, or not even that. More so that the defib it took the defibrillator as an attack because McCready yeah. later states on the film that the thing will defend itself, you know, regardless of its like its major downfall is that it will defend itself to the detriment of its like um, you know incognito, you know, hiding. Um, it'll expose itself if you attack it and that'll kind of draw it out. Um, and like that's uh, and that's how I took it is they defibrillated it. It took it as an attack and so it attacked. Because yeah. it doesn't know what a defibrillator is. Um, so that's how I took it. But yeah, I mean, again, like ne ne no, neither one of us are wrong here. Like you could literally just interpret <laughs> all day. That's what makes it such an excellent film. Um which, yeah, we get a ton of build-up to that Norris moment, though, don't we? Where we get a ton of distrust being sowed. A few people get killed discreetly. One guy... I mean, there's even a moment where they literally don't know what happened to this one guy, and they both posit theories, and either one of them could be right. Um, you know, this guy gets burnt up in the... When the power gets out, if someone gets killed, he gets burnt up, and they say, you know, maybe he tried to burn the creature and he burnt himself. Or And the other guy's like, well, maybe he just burnt himself rather than let it get him. Um, yeah. and, and either one of those are perfectly plausible because... This thing does not. This the way this thing kills you. You'd probably be better off being burnt. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. And obviously, there's that incredibly creepy scene where the guy gets snatched by the remains, and then he does that like kind of howl that the creature does in the movie. Mm. That's like blood curdling. <laughs> yeah. No. It's yeah. Every bit of, I think, practical effect in this film is done so well. There's nothing really that sticks out as poor. Mm. Um. Even for like the time. Or even now, I, I should say, sorry, it's still phenomenal. Um, yeah. It kind of proves that practical effects are much more of a a, a key for holding up uh, past mm, films. Absolutely. Special effects. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, I, I'm kind of starting to repeat myself a little bit now about how much I love it. But I, I did mention at the beginning as well that I love the way this film is shot. And I mean that obviously in the sense of the practical effects, but I do love um, 
the actual uh, the color palette of this film as well because it's obviously always ext- at least with the thing scenes are on every room seems kind of dark in a sense uh, obviously yeah. there's light on or whatever but it's kind of contrasted with these obviously the heavy red of the flare or the blue of the like outdoor lights there's always like this sort of contrasting color behind like pitch white um and i think it, it, i think it just it really adds to that set- settlement of like isolation uh that obviously they're in because they're literally in the middle of nowhere um and it's 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 just done so so well uh that i can't really fault it in any way shape or form um i do i do want to know as i will as i doubt we'll have very many uh grievances with this film i have one particular little nitpick which is of course mm-hmm. of the times uh, when they go to beat up dr blair they use two uh stock punch sound effects that i have heard <laughs> about 50 or 60 times so yeah. i kind of laughed a little bit when i heard that 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 that's about as close to a, a criticism of this film I can get to be honest. <laughs> I, is... I love the bit where the guy tries to talk him down. He goes, "You don't want to hurt anyone." He immediately shoots straight at his head, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, that's not gonna work." Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize until after watching this as well because he looks so much younger than I recognize him as. But Keith David plays Childs. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, people will love. Yeah, yeah, Captain Anderson. A lot of other people. Well, I you think Captain Anderson? I think of the Arbiter from Halo. Oh my um, god, yeah. <laughs> like he's in a load of voice acting roles now. Yeah. Um, which is just I just immediately as I found that out, I was like, oh that's great. Because I love seeing him and stuff. Um mm. but yeah, I mean the film, where are we at now at the moment? We're So so obviously, yeah, a ton of stuff happens and then we obviously get the Norris reveal, and this is kind of where it really ramps up. Um you know, there's a there's a moment where you actually think there's a good the film does a good job at making you actually think for at least 10, 20 minutes that McCready may well be the thing. Because again, the film jumps around a lot. We see at one point a torn piece of clothing because they point out that obviously this thing can't assimilate your clothes. And so when it takes you over, it's going to rip your clothes off, essentially. Um, So multiple points in the movie, there's shredded clothing. Um, Although I think what's cool that gives away that MacReady isn't the thing and that it's it's obviously a setup because the thing is trying to set him up because he's, I think it's setting him up because he's probably the biggest threat to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that when the other person turned into the thing, they ripped the name tag out of the clothing that was torn. Um, so you would think that the McCready thing would do the same thing. Um, it would be smart enough to do the same thing. But obviously, yeah. instead, it's left purposely with his name very visible, <laughs> um, which obviously kind of lulls you and makes you at least feel comfortable that he's not the creature. Um, but yeah, Norris kind of exposes himself as the thing and horrifically kills the dark by ripping his arms off with his teeth in his belly like you can't yeah. like just saying it aloud it's like holy hell how did they think of this and then his Which head disconnects from his film. body yeah and then his head disconnects from his body and turns into a spider <laughs> mm. that again is nightmare fuel if you have arachnophobia like oh yeah which i'm head, guessing is i'm guessing all that stuff is stop motion um uh, uh, yeah i think i think it's puppeteered because the way it moves looks very puppeteered like yeah that's an effect that clearly is better at a distance and that's why they keep it that way well i have um, kind of i have a kind of a love for that sort of stuff up close anyways because i love the sort mm. of choppy frames of those sort of things i just there's such a charm about it i think i think um, that when it moves and its head is moving and it's making that again awful noise i think that's actually animatronic some of it because um it just moves too smoothly to be stop motion like when you see yeah. it under the table and it's making that noise and I think there's definite like certain elements of the film that are stop motion. Like I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, the end bit with the tentacles coming out of the yeah, that's very stop motion motion. for sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, also actually, while we're on that note of sort of, I suppose way back things, people still use stop motion now, but you know what I mean in the sense of films Mm -hmm. like that use that a lot more. There's a really good scene, obviously, when they when they track down the alien spaceship in the ice. Um, yeah, and they use a map painting. It's really good. I love that sort of stuff um and it yeah. ages it ages really well because obviously you can mm-hmm. tell yeah it's not real but it's so much better than anything cg could produce because it's such a visually stunning piece yeah um, absolutely and i i really loved it that that was included in it because i really appreciated that when it came up um but yeah yeah and i think that kind of adds to the where cg can be distracted i think that just almost adds to the you know otherworldly sci-fi nature of this film because this is definitely it's definitely more horror but it's a strong sci-fi film as well like the the, the you know yeah elements of the thing are very like sci-fi in nature and you, and the ship itself is very like classic alien saucer looking thing oh yeah um, this film definitely like lets you know that it's it's sci-fi to begin with with the alien yeah. ship crash landing if it wasn't if they didn't want you to know that they wouldn't show anything of the ship 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like 80s horror films that kind of lean into that sci-fi horror. That's kind of the decade of sci-fi horror where the blend was really good for mm. a lot of movies. Um, but yeah, yeah, after kind of, this is like the point where they're kind of like, right, we're in trouble now because like there's only a few of us left and more and more of us are being revealed as this creature. Um, and I believe that's where they kind of, there is a moment earlier on where they think, you know, a good way to find out who the thing is would be to test our blood against uncontaminated blood. And all mm. the blood they find all the blood's been destroyed essentially. Um and I like how they show them burning that as well, because it's obviously this thing is so contagious that you can't even touch this like these bags of blood now because just touching them could infect you. Yeah. Um which is obviously again what I think what adds to the, the for me adds to the fear of this film so much is just knowing that a single touch from this thing and you're you're a goner. Um and yeah, and and then obviously they kind of devise their own test and it's the idea and it's a brilliant idea and it makes complete sense. McCready kind of has this idea after seeing this this head detach itself and become its own organism to escape um that the blood will reveal that the that, that blood from an infected person when it's part of an infected person won't do anything because it's part of like a smarter organism that doesn't want to reveal itself but kind mm. of as you break it down it gets like more primitive essentially and will just defend itself and so he thinks that if i place heat on the blood the blood will react we're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. Because we're going to find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. My blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. It'll crawl away from a hot needle, say. And it's this incredibly uncomfortable, intense scene of them. One, it's gross because they're sling their fingers and it just looks, I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it's this tense moment of McCready just testing everyone's blood, and you have no idea at this point who is going to pop or how it's going to reveal itself. Yeah, and I think in fairness as well, the actual people that end up being the thing are the ones you'd least expect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he they set up the very clear. I, th I forget his name now. Gary. Yeah. The Gary is very clearly like. Although I always like doubt him as the thing because he gives over the gun and kind of but again you don't know if that's just a tactic by the creature to gain favor mm. like these things play games all the time to gain trust they're not just sowing distrust they're also trying to gain trust so they will make small concessions here and there they'll kill their own to survive like it's we very, should mention um, as well clark is dead at this stage as well oh yes because uh, mccready <laughs> quick draws shoots him in the head <laughs> yeah which we should which, mention as well he did go to stab him so yeah he does it in self-defense essentially yeah, I think we skipped over a bit, obviously, where McCready is... People are convinced that McCready is the thing uh, because mm. of the framing of the ripping of his clothes. Um, and when he comes back in, like, he knows that they're going to try and burn him straight away. So he's, like, holding a stick of dynamite that would literally yeah. level all of them. Um, which, yeah, it's a smart move. Um, but I was definitely a little bit at the stage like, hmm, yeah, he's probably not, but I'm still a little bit suspicious, which is what this movie is really, really should be doing, uh, which is mm. sowing distrust even in the viewer. Um and after that, then he decides we've, we've talked a bit about um, Norris getting killed and all that. We mm. actually find out then that, that he's going to test all their blood. And there's an argument about tying each other down. And so Clark goes to try and jump him and ends up getting shot. So so Clark is out for the count and it turns yeah. out it wasn't infected. So McCready just killed him. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like how Charles is so judgmental calling him a murderer. And it's like the guy literally was going to murder him. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a weird it's, one. Um, it's a complete self-defense thing. It's just, it's actually, I, if anything, just think it's cool because he just spins around and gets a direct headshot. <laughs> yeah, it's um, very film. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like sudden, just jump, bang, dead. I had such Walking um, Dead like flashbacks when I saw that. Yeah, happen. Yeah. I was like, whoa, it's a it, perfect it, headshot. <laughs> it was pretty cool, not going to lie. Um, but I, I like how, again, smart decisions, though, because even knowing he's shot him in the head and he's a corpse, they still test his blood. Hmm. Because they know that this thing now will play dead. We'll we'll wait until you're alone with a corpse, and then we'll like grab hold of you. Because it happened to uh, one of their own earlier in the film as well. Um, and he tests the doc, which I don't get. When he tests the doc, why the doc doesn't turn though? 
because the doc was bitten by the creature, so that would be enough to infect him. So I think Maybe. that's a bit of an odd yeah, moment know. for me because like he got bit. Because later on we see when um, spoiler when one of them reveals themselves and bites Windows, Windows turns. Um, so I don't know. Um, it may be the fact that there's maybe not enough left of the doc. I think maybe, maybe he gets it's... burned probably a good bit as well. I'd say. Yeah, I, 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 it's probably not actually. I probably, if I thought about it more, I probably wouldn't. It's probably more to do with where he gets bit and like how it like separates his arms essentially, and like the infected part would be his arms and they're kind of separated. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's just, uh, it's just cool. It's cool to see again them keeping the smart, consistent intelligence of the characters where. They are making good decisions like, yeah, you should test the bodies even though they're dead. Just be sure. Um, and yeah, and as they're going, they're testing and people are getting more like aggressive towards each other because they're narrowing it down and they're looking at the people tied down and, and suit and pretty much being like, yeah, you're definitely it. And then as he's about to test someone who he doesn't suspect at all, they <laughs> the blood jumps out of the container essentially and even crawls away. And then yeah. the the uh, what's his name again? The, uh, the, the pot smoker is what I know him as. Oh, the name is, is is it Palmer? Yeah, I think it's Palmer. Yeah, the the radio DJ kind of guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he reveals himself to be the thing, which again is horrific because they're sat right next to him, which is the creepiest part. And his face blisters, and his skin pops and ruptures, and there's so much blood. Like, and of course, and the flamethrower chooses the time not to work. Yeah, yeah. Which unlucky for Windows because he gets a horrible death, getting bitten his head bitten too, essentially by this giant jaw that opens up on Palmer. Yeah. Um, and then and then deciding to work after that, McCready lights him up, um, and he crashes through the wall. And then McCready finishes him off with a grenade, a di- stick of dynamite, which blows him to smithereens, which I love. But he just blows yeah. up to nothing. I love that. <laughs> Can I also just say as well, obviously, this is the second time that one of them has died in the snow. But I absolutely love the scene of George as the thing going out, mm. um, and they kind of all circle around him and have to set him on fire. Like it's just yeah. shot so well. Um, when it's, it's like he. Yeah, and it's the way it's the reveal of his arms and his limbs that aren't like finished oh, yeah. forming. Well, the arms thing is kind of iconic, really, with the thing, isn't it? Because that's what yeah. you see on all the covers is this sort of like creepy hand with a hooded jacket. Yeah, yeah, and it's like his arms like hadn't finished forming. Like that was the only part of him that wasn't finished. It was his like mangled, twisted hands. Like yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, and then and then he immediately again being a smart character goes straight back in and lights up windows because at this point windows is changing. Yeah, and then obviously the rest of them are fine after that. Um, yeah, we get that great line from Gary where he says, "You've all been through a lot. I understand that, but I, if it if you'd be okay, I wouldn't. Li- I'd like to spend the not like to spend the rest of winter tied to this fucking couch." <laughs> I love uh, how like angsty they get both after they're proven clear, because uh, Charles does it as well. Like yeah, just and it, really it just, there's like this snap cut where they're just they're just stood next to the thingy after they're clear. But it's also like they're... yeah, just after like what happens to um what happens to uh, Palmer, it's like I wouldn't want to be tied down to near to anyone after that. Yeah, yeah. And also it's like I love how as well they're all like like you say, they're like edging towards the corner of the room <laughs> to be as far away as humanly <laughs> possible. Um but yeah, like yeah, it's great. Again, it's like, and you're still not, you still don't, even though it's revealed they're all clear. You don't know at this point. The film's so unpredictable that you have no idea if we're gonna get another fight right now. Yeah, because um, my my initial thought was, you know, obviously that blood spills and that's it's still sentient. Does it then infect someone afterwards? Because that that would have been an interesting. Yeah, you you, you have no idea. Yeah, obviously yeah. it may have like let's be honest but maybe it didn't get there in time before being consumed mm. that's the thing i don't maybe i don't I don't think that's the case but it could possibly be an option um but we do then learn obviously that dr blair is the last uh, infected thing at that time at least that we i know love of. that scene before that as well where he goes to check on him and there's just a noose in the frame <laughs> and he's like i don't want to be out here anymore yeah it's yeah it's pretty bleak looking but it kind of it makes you really suspicious of him because he's way too calm. Yeah, he's suddenly like, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm I'm perfectly fine. I'm all good." And it's like this guy was literally tearing the room apart earlier, shooting at us. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's um, which is why it's so confusing whether or not that was the act or now he's you know you, you don't know. Um, maybe he, but I would I lean on the side of he wasn't the thing at that point just because it's the communications relays destroying things like that that doesn't add up to me. Because well, he could so have used those to con- help. 
No, but he wants to call for help so he can, you know, assimilate them. Like he but wants to be taken back. As, but my, my thinking is he knows as Dr. Blair that there'll be a rescue team in spring. And obviously mm, the whole true. thing at the end is that they want to kind of go back and time. Wait until, yeah. Um, and he's already building a ship, so... Y- yes, yeah. I think that, yeah, again, the theorizing is one of the best parts of this whole movie. Because um, you just you just never know. Um and yeah, and this yeah, and then and then we kind of this is like kind of it's kind of a no holds barred at this point. Once they find out that Blair has been building this ship, they're like, right, we you know, he's out there. We need to. Um... They see Childs leave as well, which I don't know why they left someone by themselves. That's the only thing I'm kind of like, why did you do that? Because yeah. I suppose at the time they thought Blair was still in his thing, but like this is how you get assimilated when you're by yourself. Like, but I suppose they also wouldn't want to leave. No, because they both knew they weren't infected. They all knew they weren't infected. That's the, that seems like a flaw in their plan, but because they all knew they weren't infected at that point. Yeah, I think the case is they know that they're not all infected, and if they come across, Should, yeah, Blair, Blair they need case. as many people as possible to kill him. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true as well. Alongside that as well, if Blair also goes back and it's like, oh, he's fine or whatever, because like McCready did give him very like solid instructions: light him up if he comes back without us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if he was just there with Giles and he came back, I think the conclusion would be, oh, they're both it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think they hesitate on that. Um, yeah, again, like you, you kind of the you get to know the characters well enough that you kind of know what their thought process would be. Um, again, this is where the score really gets creepy for me as well because they don't actually use a score. I don't believe during the blood test scene, it's all silence as far as I'm aware, and then it's just like the sounds of the creature and stuff. Yeah, well, that's the best part about horror is when you know not to use the music, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, music would have ruined that scene. It's just this horrific, like, sound of the creature, the screaming, the franticness of it. I will say, actually, if you're talking about an effect that doesn't hold up, when Windows gets bitten and is flopping around and it's very clearly a doll, that bit doesn't hold up quite so well. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, it's still nice. It's charming, though. Yeah, he's, like, flailing around with little stubby legs, and it's like... (laughs) I, I remember when the first time I watched that, I was half expecting, like, an absorption. Uh, which mm. would have been cool to have seen because it would have been so funny to have seen someone's legs sticking up as like the head of the thing as like yeah. horns. But the, obviously the, that the, doesn't happen. But yeah. To be fair, I think they gave you enough carnage at that point. His like whole face had just imploded. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, I get my sort of transformation bit, uh, sort mm. of junky fuel at the end, don't I? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and obviously, like you do, uh, I, I do some of them more disturbed. Yeah, yeah, and obviously they go into like high alert at this point. They're kind of like, like we're you know that after realizing that Blair is it and not knowing where Charles is, they all kind of reach this kind of thing that we're all gonna die. The only thing we can do now is make sure this thing dies with us because yeah. this this thing will just freeze itself and wait for the rescue team to come, whether we're all dead or not. It doesn't, it you know, it doesn't need doesn't need to uh, eat or anything like that. It just needs to wait. Got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be a hundred below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. It wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. It just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. not getting out of here alive but neither is that thing um, so they need to kill it so they kind of start setting the whole base alight um and again it's like even when they're together they're still like they still end up getting picked off which is like crazy but like makes sense obviously because this thing is like um, this thing's just in attack mode now it's not going to try and pretend it's just going to kill you when it comes across you and make you part of it yeah. um because it grabs gary and like immediately like its fingers leech into his face and start kind of absorbing his head. Yeah, that's um, one of the creepiest things I've seen. Like that's yeah, that still looks really good, but it's like, ugh, no. Because because there isn't actually any gore, but it's just the idea that it's like absorbing him, like just from touching his face is all it had to do to kind and of. And then when you into when him. he drags him off and you can see like yeah. the stretched face, or oh, no. yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, poor Gary. Gary did not get a good death. He he died horribly. Um. And then yeah, and then and then um, I forget his other name, but the cook also goes missing, and now it's literally just Knowles, McCready. Yeah, yeah and, and now all you've got left is McCready, and then this thing kind of reveals itself as this 
this just behemoth creature, this huge creature that's assembling of dog people. Is it? I don't know whose face it is at the top of the creature actually, where it's like half formed into a mouth. Oh, it's and... definitely it's definitely Blair. Is it Blair? Okay, that kind of throws one of my theories out the window then. Well, maybe um, it, it might not be because it does look a little bit like Norris as well, doesn't it? That's yeah, that's why I'm like. So like I'm always like watching that and questioning like was because I was watching it this time and the question that came to mind this time was was this thing just a big diversion and that actually because he because you don't see anyone else in there we recognize and he's just assimilated them you know why would he turn into this big monster when he's you know like yeah. it just it's wonder if it's a distraction to get him to one use the last of his resources and two just kind of like make him think that he's safe. But maybe yeah. not, you know, maybe it is just in attack mode. You don't, you don't know. Again, another great thing about the film is you, you just don't know. The, um, other thing, the other thing I'm just thinking, like, obviously we know that Blair kills the dog, so that's how he could have probably assimilated the dog. Mm-hmm. But my other kind of theory, and maybe it doesn't hold up at all, is that maybe they share a level of intelligence about assimilation. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that too, that, like, the the they hold like even if they assimilate another person like they they retain like some of the 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 shared dna and stuff of each assimilation yeah so like there's still some even though it looks like blair there's still some dog in there and like when it reveals itself it's going to use the traits of like a dog to its advantage but like even just like because obviously we i think and i think you think as well it looks a little bit like norris at the end Mm. maybe there's like a shared like consciousness because obviously it's not the same thing that infects norris that infects blair no, and also Norris, like Norris's face, is duplicated multiple times in the scene where he turns because the thing that comes out of his belly has his face, and the thing, and then his head detaches, and also obviously still has his face. Mm. So like it's able to replicate really quickly. Yeah. No. It. Yeah. Again, it it's really open to interpretation, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, we get a great, obviously, action movie line from McCready as he blows the creature up, saying, "You know, fuck you too," because it kind of roars at him, um, which is which is great. Like, it's just a fun little line. It's a fun little line in what is an incredibly dour and bleak film. So you, you kind of need those here and there. It's also like a really anticlimactic final fight. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of jumps out of the way and nukes the thing. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like, when he pulls down, like the, he pulls down the trigger for all the dynamite, obviously. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh no, what's going to happen? <laughs> he just chucks one at him and is like, all right, I guess that works. I mean, it makes sense at that point, obviously, because you don't, he's obviously not going to get a physical confrontation because the second he does that, he loses. Oh yeah, no, um, obviously. So it's um, like, it yeah. makes, but yeah, I get what you mean. Like, and I think that's like kind of intentional because obviously after that we get we see that the entire base is blown up and is on fire. There's nothing left. There's no no shelter, essentially. Yeah. Um, and when he sits down with his, he obviously went back to get his beer from his trailer or whatever. His um, assumedly from his um, his shack that's probably still standing, I imagine. Um, which I think just looks kinda, like Buckfast. <laughs> I was wondering what he was drinking. It's got a Buckfast look. I don't think it is Buckfast, but that'd be hilarious if it was. Like if that was the drink he he chose to die with. Yeah, yeah, because he kind of just sits down defeated, and I think at this point he's, and then he sees Childs, and this is like where we're like, oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one thing I will say that makes me think maybe Childs isn't the thing is that we know about the clothing, and at that point there wouldn't have been any spare clothing for the Childs thing to change into, or maybe there would have been. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, to be fair, the base isn't destroyed at that point, so maybe there's some coats still around that he could have changed into, but I just, like, that's another, like, question. And then there used to be a theory that, oh, he's not, he's not, his breath isn't cold, but he, is, he actually does breathe several times in the scene, so that's not, like, an indication either. Um, and not to mention, the thing would still breathe cold, even if it was the thing, because, like, they just imitate humans perfectly. There wouldn't be any differences. Like they wouldn't, just like their human, the human form wouldn't survive like the cold. Like otherwise, it would just walk to civilization. Yeah. Um. So there's lots of things like that as well. Um. But yeah, we're just kind of left on this incredibly ominous note as they kind of Macready says, you know, if either one of us has got something to show, I don't think we're in the shape for it. Which I kind of, if Charles is the thing, I think he's almost being a bit charitable to him and being like, do you know what? You've earned just to die from the cold. <laughs> You're worried about me. If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? 
see what happens. You know, he's like, I don't, and also I think it's more of a thing of like, I don't need to expose myself to you and risk getting at the, on the off chance you do actually kill me. Um, I would rather just like, I'll just wait for you to freeze to death and then I'll, you know, get rescued. Um, yeah. But which is good for McCready because it means he doesn't have to die that way, although he's going to die a much slower way. So, you know, not the best. But yeah, and then it just ends on that score and we get the overlook of the, the base in flames. Yeah. Which. It's kind of, it's almost like a kind of a horror trope at this stage to get like a place in flames at the end, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the amount of films that end with a burning building. <laughs> Even Midnight Mass ends like that. Spoilers! <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I should probably bleep that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, it is. Um, and it's just, yeah, and it's a bleak, it's a bleak, depressing, grim ending. Like, there's no two ways about it. There is no happiness to be found at the end of this film. You know, it just kind of leaves you off the note of, you're watching it and kind of regardless of what you think the situation with Charles is, I've always interpreted it as they didn't get them all. There's no way they could have. Yeah. You know, there's so many like particles of this thing. Like who knows if blowing it up was even a good idea because maybe blowing it up just spreads it into the air. Like who knows? Like you can never know the only way, like the only, the you can never know how to, I mean, they burn them, but then they also iterate the fact that you have to burn them enough. And it's like, what is enough? Yeah, you have to literally kill every cell on the creature's body, otherwise it's still alive. Find out next time in the thing too. Then, really, <laughs> you know what's funny is if if you're genuinely interested in what happens afterwards, there's some official comic books that were written that you can't buy them easily, but you can watch YouTube videos that collect them, and they actually do show what happened post this movie, and there are actually some really interesting ideas in those comics as well. Oh right, okay. So what am I missing out on then? So essentially, post this, uh, this is at least in the comics canon, um, the rescue team does turn up. Um, eventually, it's revealed that Childs is the thing. After McCready, McCready's rescued, but Childs is, and then Childs shows up later, and it turns out Childs was the thing. Um, McCready kind of fights them off again, and then they end up in a submarine at one point, um, which again, like, is still an isolated setting. It kind of the comics kind of keep a claustrophobic setting while still expanding on it. So you get like a submarine setting that's pretty like creepy. And um, the problem is the action happens really quick in these comics. Like it's very quick before the thing reveals itself because the thing's almost like in attack mode at this point. Yeah. Um, and essentially one of the creepiest ideas it creates is it shows a scene later on at the end of this run after the submarine goes down and you think McCready's died again. It shows a, uh, a guy like goes up to a seal on a beach and then you see the seal is actually like an amorph of a bunch of different fish that have all been assimilated underwater. And now you know this thing can breathe underwater as well. Oh god! Um, and it's assimilate all of these fish, and it just devours this guy, and obviously assimilates him. And then the the follow up to that, which is even better, which actually was the best comic book out of the bunch, is that McCready is taken to this base in Central America or South America, somewhere like that. So it's still kind of isolated. It's essentially in the countryside, so there's no one else around. But now yeah. he's in like a warm climate. You know what I mean? Like this thing can't freeze anymore. And he's on this base with these soldiers. Uh, actually, I think Charles isn't revealed as the thing until this comic book, but because Charles turns up again. Um, and like, they do all kinds of stuff in this. Like, they really hammer home how just being touched by the creature can assimilate you. And there's some really creepy scenes by that. Like, there's a bit where there's a they, they have like these this herd of sheep and this guy just puts his hand on it and the fur latches onto his hand. Like, there's lots of creepy stuff like that in the comic that they couldn't maybe illustrate as well in the film. Um, yeah. There's even a bit where a guy's sat next to someone and he just starts melting into a puddle as he's turning into, like, a tendril thing to latch onto the guy next to him. Um, they even redo the blood test. The blood test bit is the best because McCready's blood test shows that he's the thing. And then later on it's revealed that what happened is Childs touched the tray and put his thumb in the blood, infecting the blood. 
um so there's lots of great twists in it and they have a giant thing monster at the end that's like the biggest you've ever seen that's absolutely gigantic um and there's a comic that comes after it but the comic that comes after it is terrible and completely changes the lore and doesn't make any sense like it's really bad like it has the thing look different assimilate people differently and also fall in love with another a thing so it kind of becomes ash versus evil dead like it gets a bit like wonky yeah i mean it's still i would think if they were to do an adaptation i would really like to see and i know they couldn't do it now obviously with kurt russell being the ages but if they were ever to do like a remake and then do a sequel based on the comics i would like to see the climate of fear comic adapted which is the one in uh, central america or south america i forget that would be yeah. a really interesting film i think um because it just it did bring some new things onto how this thing works like because it, it kind of brings in the idea of plant life and how this thing could assimilate like animals and birds and how like dangerous it would be yeah um so yeah it, it's the comics are cool uh, they're an interesting read very cool um, well I, yeah i think that might be a best place to leave it on to be honest because there's definitely more for people to look at even if they haven't even if they've just watched the film and they're kind of like oh well i watched the 2011 one i'm gonna watch the 2011 one that's a prequel to this film yes uh, is and yeah it's worth checking out um just temper your expectations you're not going to get some cool effects in it because unfortunately the studio ruined them all essentially there was lots of great practical effects out there that you can you can watch old videos of um and they were mandated essentially to paint it over with cgi i guess they thought practical effects weren't cool anymore which is a damn shame um but the film on itself is good they come up with some new ideas like they don't redo the blood test i don't want to spoil too much but they don't redo the blood test scene they they come up with a new idea um that i think is really cool um and and it's got a strong lead in it um i think i forget her name off the top of my hat, hat but it is someone Mary uh, relative Princess. yes and she's very good in the film um and yeah it's a, it's a, it's worthy if you enjoy this film it's not as good as this film just know that going in but it isn't yeah. it's not by no means a bad film no for sure um so let's move on to our obviously final ratings um, yes yeah do you want to go first um yeah this probably isn't I actually, hmm, I think I'm actually gonna. This might. I think I'm actually gonna go with a four and a half, and not because the film is bad, but because the film is any film that's kind of like an emotional drain in terms of like the bleakness of it is always gonna like, you know, like it's it, like you can't help if a film makes you feel a bit dour by the end of it, then like it's not necessarily means the film's bad, but it's gonna hamper your enjoyment a little bit. And this is a pretty dour horror film, as all good a lot of good horror is. I should say is bleak is dour but this is definitely this is definitely one of the bleaker ones um so i'm probably gonna get a four and a half just for that but otherwise you know everything else is out of the park i mean the performances are all great the writing's really good the characters are really strong and of course the effects are like mind-blowing and and of course the score is excellent one of the few ones carpenter didn't actually do the score of either hmm. yeah i don't think i'm actually i don't think i came out of this film feeling particularly like depressed about stuff um I obviously it's perhaps a, yeah it's perhaps the sci-fi film. setting is what but I yeah I think maybe the time the the film of its time and all that kind of makes me look at it more of a nostalgic angle maybe might be mm-hmm. the way I'm thinking of it I'm gonna give it a five because I think it's fantastic um mm-hmm. I love this film I think it's probably one of the best horror films to date uh, absolutely it, it stands up there with the likes of uh Alien for me for sure definitely in sci-fi mm-hmm. horror anyways I'm very much torn on which one of the two is my favorite but those two in particular the thing in alien are must watches for anyone who's a fan absolutely of yeah. um but yeah it's a five for me it, it's strange I, d- I don't think we've had a particularly bad film yet but that will change as we know in november chris uh when we watch <laughs> a particular film that we won't uh... mention just yet um but yeah i think that's a good place to leave it i think we can both agree this is a film that if you're into horror if you're into sort of sci-fi horror this if you're just into good watching. films, I think you should watch it. Um, yeah, if you well, just want a good if you're movie. not a, if you're not into horror, I don't think you'll enjoy this. But, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty full on. Yeah. To be fair. but I, I, we, we think this is a fantastic film, and of course, it's well worth a watch. Um, and I think it's aged extremely well, given it came mm-hmm. out in 1982. So, um, don't worry too much about that. And even I find that these the look of the 1982 stuff actually kind of endears me a little bit more to it because it's a bit more simplistic than say more current films. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I suppose we'll leave it there. Uh, next week, we're going to be taking a look as we're doing a full sort of Halloween-style month. We're going to be looking at Colour Out of Space, the 2019 which, film. Which, no um, spoilers, but it's quite um, an interesting follow-up on the subject of body horror. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting follow-up. I can't wait. I really can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, 
But if you have any theories on the thing yourself, please feel free to email us over at uh, mondaymoviemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. All our links to our socials and everything are in the description and below. Uh, if It would be fantastic as well if, on whatever podcast platform of your choice if you leave us maybe a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast because that really helps us to get more engagement. Uh, but besides that, um, thank you so much for listening this week and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank <laughs> you.